0: a party game that I considered playing this morning with you all, but it probably would have taken too much time. It's called Who Am I? And everybody gets a post-it note or something, and you have a f- name of a famous person, and you stick it on your forehead, so everybody else can see it, but you can't. anybody ever played that game before? Who am I? Okay, three of you good no um, so so then you go around and you ask questions, and I think you're supposed to ask like yes or no questions and and uh, you kind of start out broad and then kind of get more and more narrow you, is this person alive? That's always a good question um, or you could it could be somebody from history or maybe you could ask is this a uh, uh, a fictitious person, like somebody on on TV or in the movies, or is this uh, you know an actual uh, real life person that that lived? Yeah, then you narrow it down. You get more specific. You ask about color of hair and color of eyes and and what their occupation might be, their marital status, uh, their accomplishments, things that they have have done or not done. Uh, and then pretty soon, at some point, ultimately, the answers to the questions that you asked, um, you you finally uh, come to uh, a guess to say. Uh, I think it's, actually you say, I I think I'm so-and-so, and you're guessing who am I? Ah, oh, that's all fictitious, and that's always fun. You can usually tell a lot about a um, a person, not just in the game "Who Am I," but uh, in life, we can tell a lot about uh, people and who they are, their identity, by their outward characteristics. So that's what we recognize people with, right? We we look at uh, uh, what they what they look like, their you know features and their the color, their their hair, and those kinds of things. Or maybe we think about what they what they do. Um, our, our little logo up there has, uh, has a, a fingerprint, and obviously that uh, tends to tell uh, our identity to a certain extent, but it's so much more than just physical, right? But, but, but what we do or how we live typically flows from our identity, who we are. So because of who we are, we'll live a certain way or we'll do certain things. If we see ourselves in a certain light, then we'll do things in a certain way. By now, I think, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you know that we've been walking through the book of Ephesians this summer, and we're continuing. And you probably came in today and you said, wow, Ephesians... Again, okay, and uh, maybe you looked on the back and you said, "Wow, we're still in chapter four, okay, how many chapters are there in this Well, it, just to be real honest, we've still got a few weeks to go uh, there is a lot to uh, a lot to digest in this book of uh that this this letter that that Paul wrote um, i I don't know if you've been uh, reading through it uh, more than just the the passages we have on a Sunday morning. I hope that you are uh, there's a, there's so much there and if you read it and reread it and and, and die, I think you can uh, dive into it. I think you can uh, really uh, it, it, it's transformative as as all of scripture is. Um, if you have uh, made the commitment to follow Jesus, if you uh, if if you have uh, accepted His gift of grace and His forgiveness, then uh, Ephesians tells us uh, that that, uh, that that our identity. Has changed, uh, and a lot of times we we might look at, well, who am I? I don't know who I am, or I I see myself as less than in all these areas, and and uh, and yet as we read Ephesians, we see not only who who we think we are, but even more than that, we see who God says we are. And so we can read this and we can say, maybe we feel less than in these areas, but when we read Ephesians, we see, okay, well, I'm a part of the family of God. I've been adopted into the family of God. Who are you? You're a child of God. Um, Who are you? I've been chosen by God, it says in Ephesians 1. It says that we've been redeemed. It says that we were once far away, but now we've been brought near through the blood of Christ. It says that that, that God's spirit is literally uh, making his home in our hearts, that we are being put together as individuals and as a church we are being put together to be a place where the God the Holy Spirit lives that uh, that, that, that we have uh, experienced his love and his grace and and will never fully grasp how wide and deep and long and high the love of God really is and and we, we we see then at the at the end of chapter three that that all of this is immeasurably more than we could ever imagine in our own minds that it's a, it's this amazing thing that God has made us uh, different that that, that we we have this new identity because of Christ. All of that is in that those first three chapters, and then a few weeks ago we realized that chapter four, there kind of there's a there's a turn or a shift, and it shifts from from all these uh, lofty ideas, uh, not ideas but facts about who we are. But then chapter four, five, and six kind of uh, turn more toward well, how do we live that out? What does that look like as we as we live day to day? What does that look like? When we saw the last couple of times, we saw that. Um, First of all, Paul says that it it results in being unified together. That we're part of the the, the body of Christ together. We're unified. We're 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 uh, there's there's one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And so we are unified together, working uh, working as the body of Christ together. And, and and then last week we talked about that that involves uh, being mature or continually growing, maturing in 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 Christ. That 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 as we work together, we we are we are helping each other we speak the truth in love and and we uh learn and grow together and so it's this it's part of our identity uh we 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 get to 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 figure out what it means together uh how to uh how to live for god and and, and who god uh says we are and then we continue on so we're going to look at chapter four beginning in verse 17 today and uh, it just ca- continues to get more and more specific as far as what this looks like, this life uh, with God, uh, following God, looks like. And so, I'd encourage you. I, I know it'll be up there on the uh, on the jumbotron. But uh, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, or there's a Bible on the uh, the the. Rack maybe under the chair in front of you. I'd encourage you to just grab that and follow along each each week and and, um, and and then keep that open. And then you can say, well, what's he mean there? And what's Pastor Pete going off on now? Well, maybe uh, maybe I've got it wrong, and you can uh, check up on me, or maybe together as we as we look that look that up together. So don't just rely on the on the big screen. But let's read together Ephesians four seventeen to twenty four. Paul's writing here, he's talked about all the, uh, uh, we're, we're unified and we're maturing and, and, and growing together in love. And, and then verse 17 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and, 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 to be, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And we'll stop right there for now. Verse 17 uh, starts off with uh, several phrases that Paul kind of puts together that really uh, most scholars agree this is the most emphatic Statement of Paul in this entire letter He is he's, he's fired up about this He really means it He wants them to catch this uh, he, he says I tell you this I insist on it in the Lord You must It's a big deal it's, it's important What's coming is not optional This is not a do this if you get around to it kind of thing uh, he, he says you've got to do this And what is it? Don't live like Gentiles Let's pray and go home. There we go, right? We're done. Don't live like Gentiles. Except, if you remember, they were Gentiles, right? That's who they were. Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, which is primarily made up of Gentiles. In essence, he's saying, yo, Gentiles, don't be Gentiles. Don't live like Gentiles. Or I guess we could say that he's saying, Remember what I've been telling you, your identity has changed. Don't keep living like it hasn't changed, because it has changed. And we could go back and review all those things that, that I already reviewed this morning. But you're different now, so you need to live like you're different now. Don't live like the Gentiles. And then he he uses a bit of a metaphor there, and he he, he refers... Kind of cryptically, uh, he says it's a lot like changing your clothes. You don't need to change your clothes this morning. And we're not talking about um, clothing per se. But uh, what, what we wear changes what we think about people, uh, what what other people wear. We, we look at them and, and, and immediately, whether we want to admit it or not, uh, there's there's little things that go, oh, well, they must be like this or they must be, uh, I mean, we're, we're not supposed to, I know that, but we naturally make quick assumptions about people based on how they look. A lot of times we're we're kind of right about that, right? Uh, but if if I'm all cleaned up and I'm wearing a suit, you know that somebody died. No, I mean you know that. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, you you, you or somebody's getting married. I get no. Um, I clean. I've got my jacket on today. You all thought maybe we were having a big old special thing uh if i 'm all cleaned up, got my suit on i 'm all put together, then you 'll think a lot differently about me than if you encounter me when i 'm all sweaty after a run, or uh, if i 'm making a quick trip to Walmart in my ball cap and my old jeans you, you there's just what we wear uh many times uh starts to form what we think about another person. what we wear communicates something about ourselves i guess we'll we 'll say and and what we wear. A lot of times we we plan what we wear in order to fit in to the environments where we're going to be, right? Um, A lot of times an invitation for an event might include uh, what the expected dress is supposed to be, right? Uh, You get an invitation and maybe it says business casual or it says formal um, or it says, wear your shorts in a... T-. Usually you don't get an invitation for those. But uh, uh, you, you, so, so you're, you're dressing for, uh, for the environment where you're, where you're going to be. Or if it doesn't say anything, a lot of times if your buddy's going, you might call him up and, uh, and you might say, well, what are you wearing to this thing? So at least you know somebody else maybe has, a, has an idea. Maybe you at least fit in with, with somebody else that's going to this thing. You want to fit in to the expectations that other people might have because many times our environment determines what we wear. There are a lot of other times, though, when we just wear what we want to wear because that's who we are, right? Who cares what, uh, what anybody else thinks? I'm just going to wear this. We're not going to be influenced by the people around us or, or what might be expected. We don't care if we blend in. We're just going to be ourselves, And that's a little bit like what Paul is describing here. And he uses this image of taking off your old and putting on your new. He says we need to take off the old self and put on the new self. Again, it's the shift in identity. I, I, not blending in anymore. Uh, you're, you're, don't live like the Gentiles. I, I know you are technically Gentiles, but your identity has shifted. It's, it's a brand new life, and so don't keep blending in with that old way of life. Uh, you've been made new. And he says, I'm telling you, I, I'm insisting in the Lord, you have to do this. Why? Because you're not who you used to be. This identity thing—it's—it's it's a huge shift. We've got to realize that God makes that shift in us, and it changes everything. I want to—I want to realize or look at that—that that it's a partnership between us and God. It, it's not Him that's that's doing it all, and it's—and and we just we're just passive in the whole process. Uh, but it's not us that we just get all uh, get all. Uh, Determined and we just make it happen ourselves uh, God is the one who changes our identity He's the one who has created us new It's, it's his work it's, it's not our work that makes it possible for us To even have a new self to put on but we have some work to do as well. It, it, Paul says that we need to put off the old and put on the new. And that insinuates that there, is, there are conscious things, conscious decisions that we are making in order to do that. And, and if we don't do that, then, uh, then, then we're not in that partnership. We, we have a part to play in, in this uh, putting off the old and putting on the new there are, there are conscious choices that we make uh, literally every day i think um, and and a lot of it has to do with with those uh, life decisions that we make and and a lot of it has to do with our mind maybe that's not as spiritual as we might uh, think of on the surface but but i mean this this whole passage is kind of filled with with terminology about our thinking and our minds. It says there that, that the thinking of the Gentiles is what's leading them to do whatever feels good. And he goes into detail and talks about sensuality and futility and and all those sorts of things. He says that 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 we've learned differently. That that we've been taught the truth, uh, he's focusing on our minds here even more than our hearts at this point. A lot of th- A lot of times, I think we think, <laughs> I think we think that uh, that that we can't change. Our thoughts that we 're just going to think what we 're going to think, thought comes into our head, and uh, that 's just what we do uh, but but that's just that 's just not the case and, and, and it 's not what 's expected a, as far as someone who has an identity as a follower of Christ second Corinthians ten five says that we need to take every thought. Captive Romans 12 2 says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind uh, And in this passage here in Ephesians 4 it says we need to ma- be made new in the attitude of our minds It's not just this spiritual uh, emotional kind of thing this is, uh, this is something in our, in our minds I, I'm not saying that it's easy but I am saying that it's possible And I'm saying that it's, it's expected you are not who you were before, you have a new identity, you are a new creation, and that has to change how you think. As you learn and grow, as we speak the truth in love to each other, as we're involved in the environment of the church, we'll mature and grow, and as we do that, it's not just on an emotional level, but literally in our minds, our thoughts will change, a big thing that, that, that changes what we think about is changing what we spend our time doing, right? Or what we fill our minds with. If you're trying to live for God, but still spending a lot of time dwelling on, I don't know, reading, listening to, watching things that don't please God, then you'll always be struggling with the thoughts that you have and the things that you're, that you're thinking about, um, just this weekend we rented a movie and um, we thought it was, uh, it came recommended, I thought anyway, and, uh, and, and thought it would be fun and we all gathered around the, uh, the, the, the movie, to put it up on the old flat screen, got the pizza, Friday nights, that's our thing. And then started off. I don't know. The first five minutes, we got some cuss word, and then another one, and then some innuendo here, and then another cuss word, and and uh, and and we're we're kind of going through it and going, ah, you know, you know, parents, how you kind of do, and your kids are there, and you're, but they're like older, and do I whatever, and and finally, it was just enough, and we just hit stop and we turned it off, and uh, I could tell it was bothering Nick more than uh, more than anybody else, and finally, as he. Stomped up the stairs, he said something to the effect of, I hope you're happy that you spent your money on swearing, (laughs) which is what we had done, right? We spent our money on swearing. One real simple thing, and yet if... If we're filling our minds with swearing, we're going to keep thinking about swearing. If we fill our minds with sexual innuendo and perversion and those kinds of things, then we're going to be thinking about those things. This says that our thinking is going to change if we've got this new identity in Christ. And it doesn't just help for me to say, don't think about it. Uh, I don't know, let's, let's have a little experiment. I'm going to tell you not to think about something, and you do your best to not think about it, Okay? Don't think about purple dinosaurs. I'm guessing, I I don't know, but as soon as I said the word purple dinosaurs, you have either just in general uh, a picture of a purple dinosaur in your head. Or some of you are starting to flash back to old Barney. And uh, you're going to be singing I love you, you love me for the rest of the week. And thank you very much, Pastor Pete, right? Uh, so it, just saying don't think about purple dinosaurs, uh, that, that doesn't work. Instead, we have to fill ourselves with something different, right? Uh, if I don't want you to think about purple dinosaurs, I don't just keep focusing on purple dinosaurs. I wonder if I can say purple dinosaurs anymore. <laughs> wasn't really on that it's not in the notes but uh, maybe if I say let's all think about a beautiful sunset purple dinosaurs are out the, until I just said it they're out the window right because we we filled our mind with something different I'm not just saying don't do this I'm saying fill your mind with something completely different fill your thoughts with positive things and it will it will chase away the negative and that's not just uh, you know uh, Humanistic mumbo jumbo. Um, scripture says Philippians chapter chapter four verse eight says that we need to dwell on things that are that are good and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. Uh, it says think about such things. It says that leads to a life of peace and a, and a life of closeness with God. A huge part of putting on the new self. Putting off the old and putting on the new is changing what we let ourselves dwell on or think about. It's a partnership. God uh, God creates us; we're new, and then we make the conscious choices of of what to put on or what to wear. uh, That that that, uh, that. What new character uh, that God has created us to be by changing how we think and what we do So then Paul proceeds through the next few paragraphs to describe even more specifically what that looks like And if you read down through that, we're going to read it here in a second uh, You might think that Paul is uh, going, uh, well it's what what old timers might describe as uh, going from preaching to meddling If you've heard that term before you're going from just preaching these things to now you're saying this is wrong and that's wrong. and that's He's getting pretty specific here. And the, and the more he walks through here, he starts listing all sorts of behaviors and things that need to change as we take off the old self and we put on the new self. So I, I want us to read it together today. Uh, and, and it's, it's kind of lengthy, but we need to read it. Uh, and, and chances are you're not going to struggle with everything in this list. But chances are probably good that maybe there are some things that you, that you do. And so I want us to uh, approach this with, a, with an openness to say, so, to say, what is it that would mean for me personally, for you personally, what would it mean for me to take off the old and put on the new? God has created me new. I've got a new identity. What does that look like? Well, maybe this needs to change in my life. So starting in verse 25, let's, let's look at that. Therefore, in other words, in light of all this stuff I just said, therefore, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, don't spend your money on swearing. I guess. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you... This is pretty heavy here Among you there must not be even a hint Of sexual immorality Any kind of impurity or greed Because these are improper For God's holy people Nor should there be obscenity Foolish talk, coarse joking Which are out of place But rather thanksgiving For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness... Now you are light in the Lord, live as children of light. There's that identity. You had an identity of darkness, now you, you're, you've been changed to light, so you need to live like it. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed to the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's a whole bunch there, and we're going to take it word by word, and we'll be done by 2.30. You don't have lunch plans, right? I'm Just kidding. Uh, it- there, there's a whole lot there. That whole passage, starting in verse 17, where we. Uh, but but I want us to see, and, and I've kind of made up a little chart today that we're gonna. That I just want to run through real quick to describe the old self that we're supposed to put off and the new self that we're supposed to put on, and what that should look like as we live this out day by day. Uh, if you want to take notes, there's a little. Uh, there's some boxes there for you to do that, um, but it'll be up here as well. So uh, there's the old self. What does that look like? Go ahead with the first one. Darkness, so a couple of verses there talk about that this is, a, this is life in the dark. Uh, again, it's the old self, it's, it's trying to hide, it's, it's, it's this, this, uh, this identity of, of darkness and, and sinfulness. Uh, the, another description is that it's futile thinking. Uh, in verse 17, it's it, the Gentiles and the futility of their thinking. There's no hope in this that, that it doesn't lead anywhere. It's a it's futile. So, so uh, this is the old self. We, we don't want that kind of thinking anymore. Uh, the, the thing that it focuses on a lot, go ahead to the next one, is that it's sinful and corrupt. And again, over and over again, throughout that passage, multiple verses, uh, the range, uh, all these sins ranging from sexual sin to, to anger to lying to stealing to uh, how we use our words and, and, and all of these things uh, that, that, that we need to be uh, aware of because this old self is a sinful self and it's, it's, it's corrupting. It corrupts us and it corrupts those around us. This is the old self. We need to take that off. The next thing, separated from life with God. Verse 18 says that we're going to be separated from life with God. Uh, the, and then another one, that, we're, that it, it means that we're selfish and greedy. And this, this word greedy talks about I can never get enough, but I'm always just focused on me and on myself. This is the old self. This is what we need to be taking off. Uh, things that are, that, are, that are described in, in, in this list. That, uh, that, that, and there's one more that I, I think may be the most important. I don't know. Fruitless. It doesn't lead. It doesn't produce anything positive. Uh, It's it's fruitless. It's like nothing. It's like blowing in the wind. So how does that compare with the new self? We're supposed to take off all those things, uh, and we're supposed to put on the new self. So let's kind of compare what is what is life in the in in the new self like? Go ahead with the with the uh, the first one. Well, it's life in the light. Obviously, it's not in the darkness. It's in the light, it says we need to live as children of light. Uh, it says in verse uh, twenty three that there's a there's a new thinking. Go ahead to the next one, uh, and so we're going to think differently. And we've talked a little bit about that. That it's what we've learned and and, and how we've been taught. And and so there's a, a new. Change in our thinking uh, instead of being sinful and corrupt we're we're righteous and holy it says that, that that God makes us our identity has changed so so now his character God's very character of holiness and righteousness is developed within us and and this is what we're putting on uh, it, it says instead of being separated from God we're included uh, going back to uh, uh, Chapter two, it talks about that we're no longer far away, but we've been brought near. And and, and chapter uh, chapter five, verse one, talks about l- walking uh, in in a life of love with God. Uh, we're we're with Him. We're included in life with Him. Uh, but. Verse 2 of that same chapter, it's, it's a life of love. It's a, it's a life where that relationship is, instead of being selfish and greedy and everything's focused on me, now I'm, I'm focused on others, on God and on others. And so, so it's a, a life of love. And th- instead of being fruitless, we are full of fruit. Uh, and it's, uh, go ahead, I think there's one more down below that. Yeah, For goodness, righteousness, and truth. It says in, in, uh, in verse 9 of chapter 5 that, that there is fruit that is produced because of this new self. Probably, I don't know, those lists, you, you'd say, yeah, I've kind of heard that kind of stuff before. This stuff's bad, this stuff's good. I need to do, do the good and not the bad. But in looking if, As I looked down through that list, I, I, I thought, well, how do I summarize that? What is, the, what is the thing that someone who's living from their old self, what is it that they're primarily asking or what they're primarily uh, trying to uh, accomplish? And I think it's this. Go ahead with the next deal. They're asking themselves, how can I get what I want? I want what I want. I'm going to do that however I can. I'm hiding in the dark. I'm looking out for number one. I'm greedy. I, I can't get enough. I'm pleasing my desires. Uh, no thought for, for others uh, or how, uh, the results of the, or the consequences that I'm facing. People who, uh, who, who live this way with the old self are living for themselves. How can I get what I want? You might say, well, how, I just want to be happy. Uh, what does that mean? I, I, but... My hap, what I think makes me happy today might not be happy tomorrow. There's a whole conversation. How can I get what I want? But over here with the new self, we're asking, how can I please God? It's a completely different question. Because we have a completely different identity. Because now we're not living for ourselves, we're living for him. I mean, it's, it's, it's right there in, in chapter 5, verse 10. It says, find out what pleases the Lord. He's kind of summarizing it up. It's going to look like this, and you're going to have this fruit, and you're going to do... Just probably the best thing to do find out what pleases the lord and do that you're asking yourself when you come down to it okay i've got a decision what am i going to do am i going to do what i think i want or am i going to do what pleases the lord sometimes that's the same thing right but ultimately we have to be asking how can i please god i think as we look at this we might say yeah but what's the big deal?" I mean, what does it hurt if I dabble a little bit over here? Um, if I spend my money on swearing a little bit, you know, what's it hurt, right? Um, I mean, I do all those things. I'm, I'm asking, asking uh, how do I get what I want? I think it comes down to, well, what does it result in? If I'm going to live that way, where does that end? Where, where does that end up? What, what does that get me? I do all those things. I'm asking, how can I get what I want? Ultimately, at the end of the day, you don't get what you want. I, Ephesians 5.5 5 says, for this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, greedy person, such as a person as an idolater, uh, this kind of person, and describing this old self, uh, n- uh, for this you can be sure, uh, not... So, someone like this will not have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God You may be living by asking how can I get what I want but in the end you won't get what you need In the end a life chasing what you think you want ends far away from a life of joy and fulfillment and eternity in life with God but if you're living asking yourself, uh, how can I please God, then things will, will end a little bit better for you. Well, okay, like eternally better for you. You'll be blown away by the abundance of God's grace. Remember chapter three uh, abundantly more than we could possibly ask or imagine or even think about. Uh, we, we receive the favor of God, we receive the grace of God, we inherit, it says, we inherit the kingdom of God, putting on your new self. Living out of that new identity brings God's blessing. How can I please God? All of this reminded me of something that happened uh, a lot of years ago. Our family, extended family, uh, spent a week in um, in Hilton Head. Uh, we were had just been married, no kids, and um, we we had a had a great. Well, one of the one of the guys in our group, extended family, had uh, had. Gotten a little sunburnt earlier in the week, and uh, but we had all decided that, that we were going to go out to eat at, to this restaurant. We'd heard good things. We'd read good things. We found out where it was. Seafood buffet. All this, yeah, all the stuff. You know, you're on vacation. We're ready, salivating, right? You walk in, smells good. Well, this guy that had uh, had been sunburnt um, was uh, was in a bit of pain, and we tried not to make fun of him too much, but. Um, but he's wearing a tank top so as not to have too much surface bugging him as he's, uh, so anyway, we walk up to the the hostess stand and they said, I mean it wasn't really a swanky joint, but uh, I guess they had a dress code because uh, they said I'm sorry you can't wear a tank top here, you gotta at least have sleeves, now that's not a high standard you know, right, but you gotta wear sleeves but it, there was a standard well we were, you know, to go back to the hotel and back there again was gonna be like half an hour each way and you know, we were hungry and we weren't gonna go back and, and, and change and he didn't wanna do that and honestly was a little put out by it and, and the hostess Actually suggested that he he could uh, go into the gift shop over here and buy a shirt, and then he'd he'd have the right to come and come and eat. And uh, didn't really want to do that, so uh, we we ended up not eating there that night. I think we ended up at the burger joint. We could smell the feast that was uh, that was ready for us, but we missed out on it. Uh, now. I think, I think that was fine for us to do that, but I think it also could be an illustration as I reflect on that. I, I, I'm thinking there are some connections here to what, what we've been t- looking at in Ephesians today. Uh, that guy in our, in our party there wanted to wear what he wanted to wear, and, and the result was that it kept him from experiencing an amazing meal and great food and conversation and a great a great great experience. In a sense, if he had just—and again, I'm not—I I think it was probably the right thing for us to do in that situation. But as we look here in, in, in Ephesians, if if he had just put off the old shirt and put on a new one, I would add crab legs. I mean, I'm just saying. That's just that's that's the spiritual point of no. Um, there there was a feast to be had. There was an amazing abundance that could have been his, all all of ours, if he had put off the old and put on the new. And I wonder if that has some ramifications for us today. I wonder if we're missing out on wonderful, amazing, abundant life because we're still living in some of these things. And we're still asking, I want to get what I want. And we're afraid to ask, how can I please God? Because I think I might miss out on what I want. Not realizing that if we just put that off and put on, there's so much more abundance than we could ever ask or imagine. Paul quotes a, what, what most scholars think is a, is a hymn or a, a song of the church, the last verse that we read there. He says it's like doing this, putting off the old and putting on the new. He says it's like waking up. Or it's literally like being raised from the dead and walking into a new life. It's what we're going to celebrate next week at, uh, as, uh, in baptism. As we celebrate that the old is gone and the new has come and we put off the old and we put on the new. And we're, we're dead to our old self and we're, we're raised up to new life in Christ. Uh, it, it results in uh, an amazing abundance more than we could ever possibly imagine. So we ask the question, who are you? You're new. So you got to live like it. you got to put off the old self. Put on the new self. you got to display God's character in your life. Asking at every turn, what is it? What is it that would please God? And even in the, uh, the quiet of this moment, the Holy Spirit, as we walked down through that list or we read through that passage maybe he kind of circled something in your life and said, hey, this, this, we might need to talk about this. And I just wonder if it's something that's more than uh, what's handled in, a, in singing a song and inviting people forward on a Sunday. But that maybe right now your decision from this point is to say, I'm not gonna push that away, but I'm gonna work through it today, this week, I'm gonna let the Holy Spirit develop new habits and help me to transform my mind to not keep asking what do I want but to ask at every turn, how can I please God? Lord, I pray for the openness all across this room that we would be open to your Holy Spirit changing whatever you need to change in our lives. Because we want to please you. We want to be done with the stuff of darkness. We want to live as children of light. We want to put off the, the old way of living. Because you've changed us. You've, you've, you've made us new. And so I pray that you'll help us to live like it. Lord, in one sense we know that, that this is a constant process. As you keep pointing out things that, 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 that where we need to mature. But In, in another sense, it's, it's, a whole, it's a big shift in thinking. And we shift from, from just wanting what we want to wanting what you want. So, Lord, I pray for that transformation in our hearts today. I pray that that as we go from here, we would go as new creations in Christ, that the old is gone and the new has come, that we put off the old self and those selfish, greedy desires and we put on the new self, asking always what will please our Heavenly Father encourage us and strengthen us today I pray give us the uh, the the courage that we need to step into this new life with you uh to, to put us put away the things that we need to and I pray that as we go from here we will do that knowing that your Holy Spirit goes with us every step of the way we thank you for your love and for your word and how it transforms our lives in Jesus name amen